0: Welcome to Seat Time, where we drink beer and talk about all the happenings with motorcycles. Welcome to Seat Time, everybody. Brian Pierce here. We got Dale Splinter from Fly Racing. He is what you would call the idea guy. He's do the marketing over at Fly Racing. Would that be kind of a speculation of what you do?
1: Well, I guess I've been told that, but... uh... (laughs) Kind of a, I guess, a wearer of many hats could also be another uh, term for me. For yeah, speaking position. speaking of hats, now, you,
0: do, you don't even wear a flat bill, that is right. No flats for this cat, is that what I heard you say?
1: No flats for this cat. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm getting too old for that. I'm getting a little little further out of the age, and I can't run it like the young bucks anymore, you know. But you got to have some swagger to, uh, to run the, the flat bill, and the, the swagger is long gone for me.
0: Yeah, that's what I felt like this past, past weekend when I was at the T-Sec race. I was throwing out there the new uh, Fly Spring 2012 gear. I had my uh, the nice little man tank and the board shorts on, and that shit is bright. And everybody was giving me crazy looks the whole time, but I just kind of like kept walking and just figured I'd go with it. So,
1: Hey, the photo I saw, you were rocking it strong. You, you were... Uh you're styling pretty good in that, man. I think you can definitely <laughs> pull it off better than I can.
0: <laughs> I think I think we should have a, a photo contest and actually put the two up against each other. we will get you and some of the uh, the neon shit, and me and some of the neon shit, and we'll see see what everybody votes on. See who looks better.
1: Hey, you know the hardest part for me on that is, you know, I lived through that era. You know, I wore that stuff back in the day in the '80s. You know, that was the <laughs> stuff I wore to school. You know, I had my uh, you know my my jams and my uh, my neon. On yeah, uh, orange and green vans, the slip-ons, vision so, streetwear days, yeah, exactly. My little fanny pack, you know, the vision streetwear fanny pack. It's hard to admit that, but you know, <laughs> that's okay. Hey, man. They'll probably come back, too. They'll, oh, no. these kids are these days, it'll come back. They'll I've come
0: already back. seen them at uh, urban outfitters, unfortunately. So, yes, they are coming back. Fanny packs will be back. It's
1: back. yeah, I mean, look, very at the, look at the look at the. The Wayfarer sunglasses—they're rocking now. I mean, I'd look like an idiot, so I can't—I can't run that stuff anymore.
0: I don't know, man. Would you be an idiot, or would you be retro and like hipstery cool?
1: Well, I don't know. I guess it depends on how you look at it, but I think we should try. Like I said, it said, "How to live through that era?" Ooh, you,
0: yeah. <laughs> you know how many drugs you needed to be on then to actually make it look good, and the problem is, is now the drugs are cut, so it's not—they're not as nice. It happens.
1: Yeah. I do miss the '80s music though. I, I I love love me some '80s music. Like
0: all the synth stuff and everything.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Dude, it's coming you know, back,
0: that. man. All the synth stuff is coming back too. I mean, like there are, like there are tons of like duo groups out now where they just run a bunch of you know MIDI tracks um, that the guys made on their little synth machines and everything, and they're pretty much just playing guitar and they have a singer, or sometimes it's just one dude. I think it's there. It's there. Maybe the haircuts yeah. aren't, but.
1: Kinda of like the the Sisters of Mercy, you know, type stuff. That was I was into that stuff back in the day and then the the industrial. Remember how that was all huge in the eighties?
0: Yeah, well, kind of. I was born in seventy nine, so
1: That's true. Yeah. I guess it was a little uh I am showing my age now.
0: That's okay. <laughs> it makes you feel more personable. Everybody now is realizing that they can walk up and high five you and not be freaked out. You know, it's, you're not a god. I mean you might be, but you're not really.
1: No, <laughs> no, we're doing.
0: It. <laughs> that's okay. The thing is, is Dale Spangler actually is an old racer. He's been involved in motocross just about as long as I have been alive. Probably been riding longer than that. So look him up, Google him. There's been some pictures of him on Racer X. It's really cool to look back at the old times and see, you know, the fact that he pretty much used to race my dad. That that's gonna age him. No, <laughs> not that bad, but still it happens. Um. This past weekend, though, there was some really good racing that happened at the Seattle Supercross. I kind of wanted to highlight a little bit of the Lights Main just because of the fact that I thought that was some of the best racing I've seen. I mean, the East Coast really brought out a lot of really good racing, but the West Coast coming back to Seattle, I thought was the best West Coast racing that we'd seen um, with Eli Tomac and uh, and Wilson going at it the way they did. I mean, what did you think about the racing that went on?
1: I, I was actually, you know, I'm kind of a fan of, you know, uh Good, hard, you know, swapping some paint racing, you know. I think it's just it's part of racing. Some people, you know, they kind of shy away from that and, you know, maybe maybe kind of look down upon the riders for doing that a little bit. But as they said on the television, you know, I mean, these guys are fighting for a championship, and they're doing what they need to do to win that championship. And uh, I thought it was just good racing, you know, kind of a back and forth. You know, I mean, I think what uh, Tomac ended up kind of doing there, you know, it was a little bit of a racing incident, but he also, you know, Wilson kinda of given it to him to begin with, so he's just kinda of giving, giving it back to him.
0: Yeah, and uh, I noticed too, as you were saying, they said on the TV, it was it did look like when uh, Tomac went in for that super inside tight line on Wilson, that he started to lose traction, got traction, might have started to lose it again, and then all of a sudden picked it up, but by that point he was already pushed so far wide that he probably was going to take Wilson to the inside, but not the way he intended, it's just kinda of the way it played out. And as you said, that is rubbing, racing, and the way it works out. So. But man, I was just really happy to see that racing because it was really good and it was really exciting to see. I had to rewind stuff and watch. Did you notice how Marvin Musquin said that he had a lot of fun with everybody touching each other?
1: <laughs> yeah, a little a uh, little lost in translation. There. Yes, it was and then a lot of it was crazy
0: in his helmet and stuff like that. I was just like I'm like, man, when he rewatches this, he's gonna somebody's going to laugh their full head off. I don't know if he's ever going to figure it out if because of the translations, but still, man, it was pretty funny. And I was like, I now have a new status update. (laughs) (laughs) So that was awesome. And then one of the things that I think that was really big for you guys with Fly Racing this past weekend with with Andrew Short getting his first Supercross win. I think this was his first win since 2006 when he was on the 250s. But so... Great for him because of the fact that it's his first Supercross win. Great for you guys because this is like one of y'all's uh, top Supercross wins. And I mean, I may imagine that this was just an exciting weekend for everybody there at the WPS facility.
1: Yeah, I mean, we couldn't be happier for the guy. I mean, Andrew Short, as everyone knows, one of the nice guys out there and the most approachable. You know, I mean, you could walk up to him and he's just, uh, you know, he's just, he's kind of an everyman. You know, I think that's why people like him so much. You know, he's just the type of guy that will you know, give you the shirt off your back, goes out of his way, you know, he's helped us quite a bit with our photo shoots in the last, you know, three years, and, uh, you know, gracious enough to open up his house and let us come down there and shoot photos, so, I mean, the guy's just, everybody was just ecstatic, you know, to see Andrew win that race, and just just seeing that smile on his face, and everybody around him, and even his fellow racers seemed like they were just so pumped for him, so, I mean, I think that says a lot about, you know, his character, or just just who he is, I mean, he's just a... You know, he's, it's hard not to want to, you know, root for the guy, a guy like that, you know.
0: <laughs> I do agree. Um, you know, you mentioned that uh, his house down in Texas. That's one of the things that we're trying to figure out. Don't worry, Dale. It looks great. It's totally centered. You look amazing. Yep, there you go. Much better. I'm just kidding. But he lives in Texas, and I've got to figure out a way to go uh, break in. Maybe go hang out on his farm, do a little bit of streaking, a little <laughs> filming. I think it could be a good time. But, you know, maybe that's next time when you guys shoot your 2014 calendar. I'll wander down there randomly and just figure out what's going on. Um, I was extremely excited to see Andrew Short win. That guy is, he he's hes kind of like the next Kevin Windham, I think. You know, he's such a big friend of the fan, Everybody or fans. Everybody just loves rooting for him. Uh, he's so personable. You want to see him do well. It really does kind of, you know, personally affect you when he gets hurt, you know, when he's had to go through all that stuff, just because you like them so much and so to have him get that win i think is is pretty pretty spectacular it how many uh supercross wins have you guys had as fly racing
1: well if you uh you know trey got uh, three there um last year and then with you know with andrews that's four and uh hopefully many more you know i think with uh you know trey is just he's one of those guys that you know he's he's kind of the same him and andrew are just kind of like you know the same type of guy they're just everybody loves him you know there's good character good people and um, obviously trey is you know a guy that just you know he doesn't give up easy you know so i think he's uh I mean, who knows but i think he's going to come back strong and uh he was at our ride day on monday and so it was cool to see him hanging out and joking around he's got a great sense of humor and he's actually still in town with us and shoot videos, and having some fun you know he's just a fun kid he he, he fits in good with us at, at WPS and Fly because everybody there just likes to have fun and joke around a lot. And you know, we work hard, but we also have fun and play hard too. You know, hence the you know the, the test track on our site and yeah. the ability to go out and have ride days with all of our employees. You know, what I mean, there's people in the warehouse that go ride all the way through people in the front, you know, in the offices. So it's just pretty cool to be able to you know, have something like that on sites where we can uh, you know, go out and have fun as a group.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um- I watched that video of the ride day that Racer X did, and I thought Trey Canard did an amazing job. We did an interview with him a couple of weeks ago, and I, I'd never talked to the guy except for one of the Supercrosses, and we kind of started to figure out if we could do the interview, and then after that, it, we just kind of went with it. It went really good. I couldn't believe just how down-to-earth he is as well. Such a cool dude, and then when he took the mic over for you guys for that uh, Racer X deal, I mean, he was hilarious. Yeah. I thought he did a great job. He tried to he tried to find things that people would find interesting but not really, you know, the serious stuff and it was it was really good. I'm glad that he got yeah. to kind of run around and do that. It was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He's uh he's kind of a marketer's dream in that respect. You know that he's just so easy to, you know, go with the flow and he just he's really good, you know, on camera and so uh yeah, I mean having him here was great. And Shorty's the same way. You know, when he was making his videos there for a while. I mean, he's a he's a personality on you know, online, you know, on a camera as well, you know, you just seem like they both seem like they have a, you know, a, a second life after racing and, uh, you know, kind of like, I don't know, I guess public speaking type stuff. I mean, or commentary because they're both just really good.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I was excited to do that. And hopefully there is, we got the one with, uh, Trey Kennard and hopefully there would be an Andrew short interview in the near future. I'm just saying, because you know, people, so
1: if, well, we're... I think that, uh, I think that's, I think that's a possibility down the road for sure, especially now that you, you know, you did the tray one on your own, you know, you set that all up, so that was, I was impressed.
0: Yeah, well, was, we just got to, I've played in the trenches my whole life, so I figured if I got to get down and dirty, I'm going to pick up some good friends to get me, help me out, and that's where my friend Tiffany's come in, she's a girl that's been helping me out with the TCCRA races and stuff, where seat time can't be present at all times, and she just kind of started. Uh, tweeting people and talking to people that she knew and it just kind of worked out so it was uh, thanks to her honestly because I've just been so busy with all the other junk in life that's been going on so it's uh, it, it's quite awesome that she was able to step up and really wanting to help out I liked it so I think we're gonna be yeah. talking with uh, Cody Webb uh, Sarah Whitmore in the near future actually and then a couple more that I don't want to tell you about because they're big too but one of the things I do want to talk to you about is the National Enduro this past weekend at the Rad Dad in uh, Tennessee. So Stuart Baylor Jr. getting his fourth in a row at the National Enduros. He is a Fly Racing rider, so that makes him awesome. But two, holy crap! I don't think anybody's been this dominating in a very, very long time at the National Enduros. I mean, just commanding.
1: It's uh, it's it's really impressive. You know, I think there's a lot of people just kind of scratching their heads going, you know, is this kid real or what, you know, because it's just, I mean, a 17-year-old, how can a 17-year-old ride, you know, with that the kind of maturity that he's been riding with, you know, in this, yeah. especially in National Enduro, you know, like GNCC, he's, he has quite a bit of experience, but from my understanding, I'm not super up on the, the you know, the, the nuances, the little differences between National Enduro and, and GNCC, my understanding is GNCC is a lot more faster, you know, the tracks are faster and National Enduro is tighter, so. I mean, it's. I think that's really impressive. The national enduro, just because he's got all these veterans in there and and past champions that are just. uh, I mean, they're serious contenders. You know, they're half of them are you know legends. So for him to go in there and do what he's doing, and then to win the last race to win every single test, I mean, that's kind of like really, really kind of stamping it, stamping it home there. I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean, we could try to put it in a little bit of perspective that Michael Lafferty is almost twice his age. Like, yeah. That, that I mean, that's... Actually, if you wanted 15... So, so, that's 34. It would be twice his age. Michael Lafferty is, tw- is over twice his age because he's like 38, almost 40. So, and then Michael Lafferty, I guess probably when Stuart Baylor Jr. was, Michael Lafferty was winning some of his first National Enduro titles. So, very, very long time ago <laughs> when that was happening. Like, what you were saying, like, no one knows where this guy came from. He's so young. Is he serious? Um, it's interesting because having talked to him, like... I I don't mean to say it negatively, but he he just, the Enduros for him weren't anything serious. They were something that he could go do to kind of get ready for the GNCC's last year, uh, coming into the later rounds, and he just kind of like did well, so he was going to go back and do it again this year. And boom, it just clicked. It seemed like he kind of knew what he was doing, so he's going to keep going back. He pretty much said, unless it conflicts with GNCC, or he is running for the title, which right now he is, um, he's going to keep going. So it's... um, you were saying about the differences though one of the big things I was talking to Cole Kirkpatrick a, a good bit about this going back and forth what the difference would be between um, a GNCC and an Enduro the GNCC's are a lot more faster tracks a little bit more open they're definitely rough they're technical in the sense that there's just a ton of crap going on but they're long three hour they're three hour long races so you have to pace yourself in that sense um, for this three hour charge where in an Enduro there are like six mini tests so you kind of go back and forth and um, it, and some of the tests are different. Some of them are tight, some of them are open, some of them are sandy. I mean, it really can vary. And it's it's interesting in that sense because, st- like, Stuart Baylor Jr. has won almost every test this year. <laughs> like, yeah. He's won, I think, at least over half the tests this year, if not three quarters of them. Um, and, and that's just ridiculous. I mean, the kid has got some crazy talent. He's so goofy. I love the talking with him. You know, we. Talked for almost like 30 minutes just bantering back and forth. I mean, but it was just because we were fun. It was having fun and goofing off. I mean, have you had a chance to really meet and talk with them all that much?
1: Yeah, you know, it's when I was at Loretta Lynn's there, that same, same race you were at there oh, last yeah. year, the, the final, I mean, he, honestly, I think he was so focused it was really hard to kind of sit down and talk to him. I've had more conversations with him, you know, over the telephone. We'll talk for, you know, 20, 30 minutes about stuff. And he's just a ball, you know, to talk with. I mean, the kid's hilarious, great sense of humor, Love the family. They're just fantastic to work with, just down-to-earth down to people. And, you know, it's kind of like we're talking about with Trey and Andrew. I mean, I think it's generally we seem to just kind of gravitate towards those type of people that ride for us. We're just surrounding ourselves with just really good people at the races. And, you know, it's exciting to kind of help people like that. You know, I could really genuinely like helping out the Baylor family because they really appreciate the support. And it's just great to see him doing so well. And you got, you got to remember, he's got a 14-year-old brother. It's it also going to be amazingly fast. The kid's 14 years old, probably six foot one, 210 pounds, and just kid got 15th overall at the National Enduro. Won the 250A class. We got 15th overall with all the pros. So, I mean, the kid's uh, at 14 years old. It's just uh, pretty incredible. So I mean, just it's another one of those brother families, kind of like the Alessis or some of these other families, where they're just both fast. You know, it's going to be pretty incredible to see. What both of them do here in the future.
0: Yeah, and if they wind up getting, like, on the same team, kind of like the Alessis did at one point up in their career, it'd be really cool. I mean, that would be a really good kind of uh, duo to have. I know that there's a lot of good riders out there, though, so it would suck to take away somebody's ride, but it would be kind of cool to have the Stewart Baylor brothers, you know, the Baylor brothers and stuff, all together. I don't know.
1: Yeah. It's kind of an interesting debate though, on the off-road. I mean, there's just uh, it's tough for those guys. I feel for them, you know. I mean, there's a lot of... There's not a lot of support, you know, bike wise. Obviously, with Suzuki being gone, and you know, no Aoi in there, you know, it's just it's tough for him. You know, I mean, there's, I don't know. Well, I guess what Suzuki too, right? Because I mean, the Strang's deals, you know, that's yeah. I mean, that's just one the, of those things where it's tough.
0: Yeah, Kawasaki's got a little bit of presence when it comes to off road, but they're typically in the western, just because of the fact that you know they're putting money in off road, but not more on the west side, because that's where all their research and you know R and D's at. So they don't have, you know, they don't have to pay to travel really far to the east to uh, to support a bunch of riders. Um, yeah, but, you know, true. GNCC. I mean,
1: it's done. You know, it seems like they haven't been there for a couple of years. And I you know I think the Andrews team was the last time they had maybe a Team Green GNCC team and uh, maybe JG Off Road or something like that. But yeah, it's kind of a it's pretty wild. You know, it's there's a lot of guys that are fast, and you know, it's, just, uh, it's hard for them to even get bikes. I think you know we had. Uh, Gary Sutherland there for a while, and he's uh same, you know, kind of working class hero guy, you know, he's got a, a wife and a, you know, a baby, and still going to the races, and I saw where he got a podium this past weekend, so it's cool to see that, you know, but it's, uh, it's tough for those guys.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting, uh, you know, Cole and I, have well, I, I say Cole Kirkpatrick a lot, even though I do have kind of a crush on him, it's not really just that, it's just that he's <laughs> He's kind of local, and, you know, he helps me out a lot. You know, we just talk about all the stuff. We're interested in a lot of the same things, so we do chat about all the racing a lot. And he's kind of, you know, give me some insight into his racing and why he's kind of made some of the decisions that he's made. And, you know, it, it's really interesting getting a racer's perspective on some of that stuff and where their head's at. Um, you know, it, it's just it's very hard sometimes, and you have to make some tough decisions, and it's, it's sad to say that, but, you know, racing doesn't come first all the time for some people, so... It's kind of the way it winds up. Um, yeah. Somebody that racing pretty much has always come first for, and the fact that he always finishes first is Kurt Caselli, the bromancer himself uh, out in California. Uh, of round four of the National Heron Hound Series, he pretty much just dominated from almost start to complete finish, all 70, 74 miles, or I'd say probably about 72 miles. He just completely dominated. And we had David Pearson in second and Jacob Albright, who came back in third. Have you ever done a desert race, Dale? No. Yeah, it seems
1: dangerous. No, I don't. I don't know if I. Uh, yeah, I, I. don't. Don't know if I could survive a desert race. You know, but uh, painting it across, uh, whooped out, up and down. You know, jumping across ditches. You know, not knowing where you're. What's up around the corner? That's rough for me being a motocrosser kind of control freak you know motocrosses we're all control freaks you know we don't even we don't even <laughs> like to let somebody uh ride the bike you know like if you're on a street bike and you have to hop on there i don't even want to deal with that you know i'm used to being in control you know so to not know exactly where i'm going you know i've always struggled with that even when i motored, you know if there was a dusty track and i couldn't see in front of me the turn or something i struggled you know so i can't imagine those guys are unbelievable to me you know And caselli obviously is on a whole other level right now he's just on a mission it seems like and uh i don't know i, I can see uh your man crush going uh probably having a perfect season here now unless he uh, has some kind of mechanical issue
0: yeah i uh I'd, yeah i hope he doesn't have any kind of mechanical issue his girlfriend would be pretty pissed if he did you know what i'm saying um <laughs> but uh i'm excited because we've got some uh, i've been talking with kirk sully and i've got an idea running inside of my head and if that were to happen. I think I could make some other things happen, and that's really all I have to say about that. (laughs) Well, everybody, leave them in suspense. Okay, so Texas, obviously. Seat Time is based in Texas. I live in Dallas, outside of Plano. Getting ready to move soon to another house. I'm not going to tell you the location. I don't want anybody to stalk me yet, but... I focus on a lot of stuff that goes on in Texas because of the fact that I like to support the local scene and all the local riders. So some of the series that we had this past weekend were the TSec races we had, uh, and we had Torn and TCSRA doing their double headers. So TSec this past weekend we had the Gator Bait Enduro in Altair, Texas, which is south and w- south and west, or south Texas, west of Houston. Boom, there we go off of I ten. What we did is they had a two-day enduro, so we had like a enduro that started around two p.m. That was about forty miles on Saturday, and then we had your typical, you know, sixty-something mile enduro that started on Sunday, um, seventy-mile enduro night, whatever. On Sunday at eight a.m. So we got like a two-for-one out of the deal. It made a lot of sense for a lot of the guys driving from, say, like Lubbock. They're doing like ten-hour drives. It, you know, you get two for one out of the deal. You get two races on one weekend. It was a lot of fun. Over ninety-something miles in a race. I was freaking whooped out. Have you ever done that much in two days? 90 miles? What do you think? Yeah?
1: Hmm? No, I mean, I've done some trail rides, you know, 60, 70 miles, but that's about it. You know, I can't imagine doing it in a race pace. You know, I've done it where you kind of leisurely stop and, you know, eat a sandwich and look at a, you know, mountain view or something up here in Idaho. But to imagine going that bar in one day, pinning it. Nah, can't imagine. Yeah, I think well, I saw the photo of your hamburger. Hamburger hands, there you had too, huh? Yes,
0: and I got, I got some blood blisters on this side, and then I got the, I peeled off the scab there. Eh, zoom in, and uh, that's what's left of that guy. But yeah, I mean, that's unfortunately part of the fact that I haven't ridden like very seriously in the past two months either, too, because all the stuff going on with the house and everything. Eh, life, right? Life.
1: Yeah, it's called uh, desk hands. Uh, something that I have. Uh, <laughs> You soft have, like a baby's butt. They're, you've they're, grown over the years. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I'd probably do a five lap moto on our test track and get blistered. My hands were so soft. So,
0: man, I you'd probably still whoop my ass on a motocross track though, because you actually know how to ride a motocross track. I do not. I get
1: scared. The <laughs> uh, well, last time I rode was uh 450, and they're just so ridiculously fast that it's like instant arm pump. You know, after two laps, and then you're kind of going through, going off jumps, not even able to feel the handlebars, which is uh, not a good feeling. You know, so, oh, I bet. Especially when, uh, especially when you're out of shape, and uh, your mind still tells you that you can do everything on the track, all the obstacles, but your body's saying no, hell
0: no. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you mentioned the, uh, the can't feel the handlebars because I actually had a moment this past weekend, or going through some of the tight sections of the woods. And, you know, in in off-road, you kind of, like, learn how to just, uh, you know, shimmy your bike and your body all through it, you know, kind of a squirmy, wiggly way. And I was kind of worming through this tight section, and I was kind of like left, right, left, right, left, right, left. And then I went to go right. And I clipped the left when I was bringing it in, and I, before I clipped it, before I brought it in, and it just totally swapped it out of my hand. And all of a sudden, I'm going to the ground, and I'm realizing like I could see the bar way out here, and my right hand's like way out here. I was like, "Oh shit!" It was just like straight to the ground, and it was like, <laughs> "Son of a," like. Well, you know, it was when I was trying to keep up with Brian's story, one of our local pros here. It was it was a good time. I did not keep up with him because the ground held me down. It was.
1: It happens. Have yeah. you ever had a situation where you're kind of riding along in a daze, and then all of a sudden you hit your head on a tree, and then you just start painting it. it? Just knocks you out of that little stupor that you're in.
0: Yes, but I've unfortunately had just the opposite too, where I was totally into it, hit my head with a, and got a concussion, and then was completely fucking out of it. So I guess, <laughs> I guess it kind of can go both ways, unfortunately. But I have had the other because of the fact that, like, you're like, I'm riding really good, I'm riding really good, oh, I'm hitting all these turns, and then you're like shit i gotta go to work on monday oh man tuesday is that other thing boom oh crap i'm racing and then like mm, so it could go either way
1: did i did i, did I mess up that html code you're yeah exactly you're work. like
0: what website did i forget to push live that i was supposed to on friday <laughs> afternoon <laughs> so you know there's all those little stupid things that go on um So let's talk about the TSEC race. Martin Howe actually got first on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, We had Hayden Franklin. He got third on Saturday and second on Sunday. And then we had Sean O'Leary was second on Saturday, and Jeff O'Leary was third on Sunday. So good ride for the O'Leary brothers. Obviously a great ride for Martin Howe, And we got Hayden Franklin, the past TSEC champion, in second place pretty much overall for the weekend, if you want to call it that. So we had the doubleheader, Torn, and TCCRA. Torn was at Bulcher, where Red River motorcycle trails are, and the TCCRA was in Thackerville, uh, uh, just north of the Texas Oklahoma border. So, Torn, apparently they had or Torn at Bulcher apparently gotten tons of awesome rain. They had some great traction. TCR TCCRA was a little dusty. They didn't have the greatest conditions, but it was still a lot of fun. Cole Patrick, uh, first place at Torn on Saturday, he went from dead last to dead first. So I think that's a pretty good. And then Josh, you dead first. I like that. Yeah, dead first. Is that would that work? It's a new one. I don't know if that would work. Not sure. Dead, dead last to like absolute first.
1: Yeah, go with it. I kind of like it. You know,
0: I think that'll be the title: dead first to, or dead last to absolute first. <laughs>
1: might be a, might be a bit of an oxymoron, but hey, you know, look, I, I, I've been called worse things. I know. I'm pretty sure that and that's how I live
0: my life is in some form of oxified moron. So. <laughs> but uh Josh Young got second. And we had Caleb Ramsey in third place. Congratulations to those guys. And then if they they most of them moved on to TCCRA for Saturday afternoon practice, and then they would race on Sunday at TCCRA. And there we had Caleb Ramsey in first, Cameron ishmael in second, and let me see here we had Josh Young in third. Josh Young's actually a, a torch racer. He's coming to South Texas. He's been coming up a little bit more for some of the races, trying to make a little bit more money, make a little bit more name for himself. Congratulations. All the Texas guys, you guys are all awesome. Thanks for doing a great job and racing in Texas. So, Dale, how long have you been a marketer at Fly Racing? Marketer as in, you know, maybe doing what you're doing now with Fly Racing.
1: I'm in my fifth year, and uh, strangely enough, I have a lot of marketing experience from, you know, since I've been in the industry since 95, and way back when I was, you know, living in Ohio and, you know, worked for... uh, Comedic acid my first job in the industry, but uh, I was actually hired at WPS and went, went back to college here in Boise and uh, um, always wanted to get a college degree and uh, went and got an English degree in technical writing and uh, some, something that I'm sure you have to deal with being in that you know kind of trade, you probably deal with some technical writers on occasion, I would assume. Yes, yes, we call
0: them copywriters and they know way too much. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so that's kind of what they hired me. To, they hired me to manage their websites, WPS. And So the WPS has five websites, including the Fly Racing, their Shinko Tire, their Sedona Tire, the WPS uh, external website that anybody can land on and see and view our catalogs. And then we have a WPS order site, which is password protected, that our dealers can go on and order. And so. It was a pretty big deal, you know, that to, to get in there and see what they were doing as far as trying to just make it easy for their dealers to order and so you know, I took a, spent a lot of time doing that and then from there just kinda I was handed the uh advertising, you know, being responsible for managing all of our print and online advertising. It just kinda grew from there, my marketing, since I have that experience from the past and uh you know, having that technical writing degree it just fits perfectly in with my marketing experience and, and you know, in the background. So, uh yeah, it's, it's fun, you know, so now I get to do all the press releases and race reports, all that kind of fun stuff, and uh, just, you know, put on the creative uh, thinking cap and, you know, think up stuff for our ads and write copy, and it's just a good time, you know, I love it, you know, I'm passionate about marketing, I think it's fun, you know, I mean, it's, to be able to do it and actually market, uh, you know, to the motorcycle industry, I don't think it'd get any better, you know, I mean, there's, Plenty of places you can go and be a marketer, but I can't imagine marketing a product that I'm not really passionate about. So yeah. it uh, makes it fun.
0: Yeah, I could. I, I totally, I totally understand where you're coming from. I, I do. I wind up putting in harder work more hours when you wouldn't expect it on things that I'm passionate about, like when you're up late till 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning working on your motorcycle or, you know, when you're up late making seat time changes or when you're doing interviews with people or any of that kinds of stuff. I feel like those those don't take time precedents. Those just take time. I don't ever worry about when it gets done. It just gets done, you know. With, like, work stuff, I kind of like, all right, well, I got to get it done at this time so then I can go do family stuff and do those other stuff and everything, like, So, I can only imagine that if I could find a way to put all that passionate stuff together into one big bucket. But I don't know. I mean, like, the. And this is a personal question. This isn't like work related in that sense. It'd be like, you know, if you did wind up putting all those eggs in one basket, you know, would you. Like, is it a a possibility of getting burnt out and kind of like doing too much in that, that whole realm?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a trade off. You know, I've always notice that it seems like the people that are more you know kind of entrenched in the motorcycle industry seem to ride the least you know and that's kind of where right. I guess I'm at you know I'm out of shape and you know a little overweight well I guess a little more than a little overweight right now but <laughs> hey, you that's look life great. you know but it's the internet oh, you thanks. can do whatever you want that's right um, yeah you know Photoshop you know they can make can make, <laughs> make anybody look good but no it's just uh, you know it, it is tough it is a trade off you know there's times where I think you know if i wasn't in the industry i'd probably be out riding you know every weekend and enjoying it a little more but you know and on the same token you know like i I feel pretty lucky to be in a position where i'm at to be working for a great company that's you know on the up and up you know where the company just keeps growing the brand light racing keeps growing so it's really fun to, to, to kind of be a part of that and see it grow and uh i don't know you know i do take it home that's for sure you know there's times where i'm it doesn't seem like work. It's kind of like you said; it doesn't seem like it. But when you're looking at Twitter and you're looking at websites, and you're, you're literally really kind of studying, you know, because you're you're absorbing rider names and their their positions and what other companies are doing and what products they're bringing out. And it's like, it may not seem like work, but you know, you're kind of absorbing stuff, and that affects what you do and decisions you make down the road. And so, it, you know, it's all part of it. You know, you're you tend to be working uh, more than you realize. I think.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, I for a long time I was actually a bicycle mechanic at a bicycle shop because that's. I mean, I really did enjoy that. I I, I, lo- I have a passion for I think two wheeled sports, especially when it comes to bicycles and motorcycles. Um, and I loved doing that. I loved going to as much stuff I could go to to learn to do it better. I went out to Oregon and did the United Bicycle Institutes and did a lot of you know mechanics classes there and their suspension classes and all that kinds of stuff. I wanted to go to um there was a school out east as well but the problem was is that like in those if when i i found anyway is that in that industry like the i wanted to work for them i didn't want to go work somewhere else i just wanted time i guess to do my own thing every now and again but the problem was is when i wanted to do my own thing was when our season was the biggest so like during the summer when i just wanted maybe a 3 or 4 day weekend to go to some race or to drive across the country to go do some ride you know, you couldn't get that time off. And it just seemed like completely counterintuitive to the lifestyle and to the idea of of the brand. And I was kinda like, Well, why don't you just hire ten more people and make it a little bit easier on everybody? But I'm not the guy who makes the paychecks, you know, I'm not the guy who, who knows where the money is at and all that stuff. It just it always seemed like they, they just kind of thought counterintuitively. And that's why like you see a lot of like rider owned companies, I think, in the past fifteen to twenty years. Maybe that's the way it's always been, but my fifteen to twenty years just kinda that's my, you know, knowledge growing basis. And it just seems like, you know, maybe that's the idea, but when those get bigger too, I mean, wouldn't they run into the same problem, do you think?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean I think every company kinda goes to the growing page no matter what size you're at. You know, there's just uh as companies get bigger, you know, you just I don't know, you tend to get, you know, people that kind of focus on certain aspects of the business, you know, and sometimes that's hard to, especially if you're, you know, like you're talking about riders that starting their businesses, you know, it's hard for them to kind of let go of some of that stuff, you know, that control, you know, it's their, it's kind of their their baby, you know, their their idea and their product, and so to let that go, you know, I think is pretty hard, but on the same token, I think uh, companies that do well are able to do that, you know, uh, someone that can run a company and realize that if they surround themselves with the with great people, they're gonna just they're gonna go that much further.
0: Yeah. Well that's cool. And that's the to your point, it seems exactly what Fly Racing has been doing with a lot of their riders. So and uh, maybe some of the support that you guys have been throwing out to some uh, local media people. So we really appreciate it. Speaking about really appreciating it, we do have to say that Fly Racing is one of our sponsors. FlyRacing.com is where you can find their internet presence. As well, they're on Facebook, they are on the Twitter, they've got their little handles for all that kinds of stuff. The cool thing is is flyracing.com. they have all kinds of fun stuff that you can go get. So not just for uh, motorsports, not just for you know BMX or mountain biking or anything like that, but there's snow sports as well, they got all the snowmobile stuff. So you can go check it out. What I was just sporting, I will go ahead and post a picture up for you because that is that obnoxious is me wearing some of the, uh, and, and not the clothing by any means, it's me that was obnoxious, um, was some of their spring 2012 gear. I absolutely love it. Uh, Dale was mentioned earlier You know that it is kind of a take-off from the retro 80s kind of stuff, um, but I, I, at first I was afraid that it had been coming back, but now obviously you could tell I have completely and fully embraced it and I think it's a good thing. You know, I think it, it throws it out there. You know, people wear their flat bills, people wear their curve bills, people wear their neon, people wear their black. So Everybody's got different stuff out there. I think that Fly Racing is doing a really good job of making stuff for a little bit of everybody out there. So please, flyracing.com. Go check them out. Give them a little bit of love. And uh, we appreciate the support. So thanks, guys, for everything you have done for us. So, Dea, we've got some races coming up this next weekend, like seriously, in a couple days. So Salt Lake City for the Supercross is coming up. Do we think that we're going to see Andrew Short repeat what he did this past weekend do we think that we're gonna see you know different riders come up ryan Dungey looked pretty good this past weekend you know is he just kind of getting back in the groove uh we got the 250 guys we got you know wilson and uh and uh wow and uh tomac going at it is wilson going to come back we haven't heard anything yet we know Villapoto's at i mean there's there's a lot and it's only like three that's like
1: some uh, big question marks that's for sure and uh well, I'd love to say, I'd love to see Shorty do it again, you know. Uh, we'll see what happens, you know. I think that, you know, I think Dungy's probably going to be pretty hungry, and of course now with Vidaloto out, which is super bummer. Not just for the Super, I mean, I mean, he's got the Supercross, so I mean, there's no worry there, but just yeah. it's just a bummer to hear that he's going to be out for the outdoors, you know. I'd, I'd like to see Shorty carry some of this momentum into the outdoors. The outdoors are going to be, you know, it's funny, I, I was seeing people posting on message boards, you know, kind of, Almost whining in some respects, you know. No Poto, it's going to be so boring this summer, the outdoor series. I'm thinking, no way, you know. It doesn't matter. It's going to be good. There's people that are going to step up, you know. It's, oh yeah, it's going for to be, sure. I, I think if anything, it's it makes it even more of a question mark who's going to win that series because there's probably any one of five people that could win it. You know, maybe Dungey might be the favorite, but I also think there's guys like Brayton and Shorty. They're going to step up. So
0: yeah, it's, and I, uh, I, I think that. It, I Yeah, and the way that Villopoto has been so commanding up until his injury, I think that if he'd have been able to carry that momentum, it might have been that same kind of a deal in the motocross. And so it may have felt more bland. Not that the Supercross was anything but bland, but still. So I think we may actually get a very, very tight-knit points, you know, points kind of goblin battle. I think it could be kind of interesting. So I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be good. And we in Texas have the TCCRA, so they have another race coming up this next weekend at the pit in Terrell, Texas. I'm doing my best. I found a bunch of cracks in my rear hub uh, this past oh, no. weekend. Yeah. So I'm doing my best right now. I think Mun Racing is going to help me out. I'm going to try to get a new rear wheel for this weekend so I can go practice out there on Saturday. So if you see the seat time banners, please come by. Say hi to either Tiffany Vardell or myself. And as well, Torx has a race going on. They're actually going to be at Freestone at the, in Wortham, Texas, where they have the big outdoors national. Where, Dale, you should come into town this summer and we should hang out.
1: I think that probably should happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, that sounds like a business write-off.
1: I also think that some people should step up and support you and help you out with little sponsorship dollars. You think so? Buy you a new wheel. Let Give you a new wheel. It probably needs to happen.
0: All right. Well, I appreciate the fact that you even said that. That means a lot to me, Dale. We've been trying to have a lot of fun. If nothing else, we're just putting it out there. We love racing. We love just goofing off and having fun. We can do that for anybody, so we really appreciate it. So if you had anything to say to Fred Andrews right now after all the beatings that he gave you, as a professional racer, what would you say?
1: Uh, he's just a, you know, he's a he's a crafty crafty old devil there, you know. Like I was telling you earlier, man, he's just uh, when I was coming up through the through the ranks, I was a young teen green rider back in the day from Ohio, and I think Freddie was I uh, think he might have been Honda support then, but you know, his parents owned a shop, and yeah, he would give me the whipping every week. He'd let me. I think he did it on purpose, but he'd let me win for about, you know, five, five laps of the race, and then, you know, pass me and just run away, or, he, or he'd wait till like, maybe the last half a lap and pass me and make it look easy, so I think he was kind of just toying with the, the young kid coming up, so I think <laughs> I eventually might have beaten him, of course, Freddie might have something to say about that, but I think I might have eventually beat him, but it wasn't for a while, but yeah, he's, uh, it's cool, I saw he just raced the National Enduro in the, in the back class, so it's cool to see him out there riding again.
0: Yeah, we need to get you out riding there again, buddy. I think we can make it happen.
1: So I guess to answer your question, I didn't answer. I didn't answer your question. I don't know what I would say to him honestly, but <laughs> I just dodge the question.
0: You're like, "Hi, how's it going?
1: <laughs> Happy to see you." <laughs> um, I just well, realized I was like a. Uh, I was like a politician right there. I just absolutely talked around your question. That's
0: okay. I mean, actually, that's that's what I would expect. I only ask questions that don't need answers. So. It's absolutely, totally understandable. Um, so there's a good chance that my friend, actually, I'm completely registered, so it's absolutely happening at this point. I just got uh, my paid time off request approved. I am going to be in town the first weekend of June in Boise, Idaho for the the uh, ISDE qualifier with Wes McKnight. Uh, we are planning on trying to come up there to make it to see you guys on Wednesday or Thursday afternoon-ish. We're just trying to drive straight through, so we'll see what happens. Um but yeah, we gotta make something happen. We're gonna have to hang out and goof off. If maybe do a seat time episode, if nothing else, just uh, see the facility and uh, high five each other in person again. We've done it before.
1: Absolutely, give you the give you the grand tour of not only WPS and Fly, but uh, downtown Boise. It's a fun town, and uh, you might not want to leave. You know, it's pretty nice here in Idaho. So uh, yeah, I mean, I came out here in uh, 1999, and uh, here I am. I'm still in Idaho. Never thought I'd end up in Idaho. Uh, I have I'm some friends that Ohio, live in Missoula, so.
0: Montana, and they said the same thing, and they are still in Montana, so it could happen.
1: Yeah, it's just one of those where uh, I actually just got my mother moved out of here, and so I pretty much have uh, you know cousins and stuff back in the but you know my direct family is all out west here, so uh, we're here to stay.
0: Right. I mean, if I move there, then you totally got like this cool dude, you got a bar hopping buddy with you. That'd
1: be awesome. I know, you. and. and uh, and a fellow fellow uh, beer connoisseur slash snob, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Let's see. I picked up the Samuel Adams Summer Ale. There was actually a, a summer special uh, Samuel Adams like Rye Summer. I hadn't seen it before. I think it's new this year. Excuse me. I wanted to try it, but it was just kind of like one of those things. I knew I didn't want to. Ha- I wasn't going to be drinking a whole six pack. I didn't want to go out on a whole limb on something new. I don't know. So i didn't but it's out there i think people should check it out samuel adams does do a good job on beer they do not sponsor us though they should
1: okay Yeah, they should
0: yes absolutely so this is episode 55 dale spangler we really really appreciate the fact that you wanted to get on the internet and chat with us uh would you want to say anything else at this point in time anything at all if you wanted to that's fine if you didn't that's okay too Uh,
1: no i mean i just appreciate you uh having me on the show, it's, it's fun, and uh, it's fun to see you guys, you know, I, I just, I like the way you guys approach things, and uh, I mean, I like, I like the style, like the, the Trey interview was just fabulous, I thought it was one of the best ones you've done yet, you know, and I think that uh, probably a lot of people that watched, they learned some things they didn't know about, just what Trey was up to, you know, I, I didn't really see a lot of interviews out there with, you know, him recently, and for you to get the score of that, I thought it was, uh it was pretty cool, so Keep
0: on keep on, man. Keep doing what you're doing. Heck yeah, dude. We appreciate the fact that, you know, that that you say those all kinds of things and you actually do pay attention and it's not a bunch of lip service. It's pretty awesome. Uh, you're a great guy. You've done a lot for a lot of people in the communities that, uh, that I put my toes into and that I call home. So we really appreciate the fact that you pay as much attention to us as we do to you. So thank you, sir. Thank you to Fly. And we will call this episode a wrap the places that you can find seat time on the internet is seattime.co is the url facebook we're on facebook as well facebook.com slash seat and as well twitter we have a tweet handle where we tweet out tweets to the world it is uh at underscore CO. That's pretty much it. You can always enjoy a pint full of awesome with us anytime, anyplace, anytime. All you have to do is hit us up online, and it's probably going to happen. I may be at work, and I may have to send you a picture later, but it's still going to happen, and we appreciate the offer. Dale Spangler, thank you much, man. Remember, always enjoy a pint full of awesome. We'll see you on the Internet. Rock. <laughs>